If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On this episode, the power of cross-training, vascularization, and the art of keeping strong. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, and smarter runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am the guy to reach out to when you've finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries. I'm a physiotherapist, the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic, and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. We have a great episode today, so welcome back. Thanks for following through this journey. Hopefully, you've started episode one and you're working your way through. We're on to episode nine now, um, so we're almost there, almost up to the ten. Just as we're learning together, I like to give some real-life examples. Uh, let's follow through my calf issue that I had and discussed last episode. So, um, if you can't remember, I started jogging again and ran about a K and started noticing that the calf was getting a bit tight again. Um, so just followed up with a walk and rested it for the rest of the day, but was still keeping strong. I was still doing swimming and bike riding. So my frame of mind was still nice. I was still improving on my fitness. So that helped. Yesterday I went to the gym and did some treadmill running on a, one of those, um, non motorized treadmills. Did a slow run for about five minutes, which is about 1K, followed by five minutes on the bike. And then I alternated that through three cycles. So all in all, did about 3K, so three by 1K runs and was feeling fine. And so my calf issue, which was a problem last week, walking around feeling really tight, is now starting to resolve. And I managed to go for a swim yesterday as well. So still maintaining a good fitness capacity. And I think, well, today I was going to go onto the bike, but my aura ring said that my heart rate and body temperature stayed pretty elevated last night. So I didn't recover too well. So today's going to be a rest day. And that ties in with our uh, hidden dangers. <laughs> so learning my own lessons and practicing what I preach and um, a couple of other real life examples, um, just talking to my mate Dosh the other day. He is a very, very good runner um, around about, a, I think it was 3.20, 3.30 marathon time. And he's been a gun. He's been in the past running five days a week and racking up a lot of kilometers. Um, so he recently started having foot pain, which we're now suspecting is a stress fracture and we're awaiting MRI results. But looking at his history, he's recently just had a kid and he doesn't seem too stressed, um, but it does change his quality of sleep slightly. And recently away from work, just tried to squeeze in a lot of runs. So did a lot of consecutive day running mixed in with the reduced or disturbed sleep. And now he's got this foot pain. So if we know anything from increasing load and also the importance of sleep and recovery and getting good quality sleep, um, it fits the pattern as to why 
well, it's not a surprise why he's starting to get a few niggles and a few injuries. Hopefully, it's not a stress fracture. He's in a moon boot at the moment. But a good lesson for you guys to learn as well. Um, I had a client yesterday who came in with plantar fasciitis and she was describing over the Christmas break, she went for a five-day hike in um, boots that she was comfortable in. And she said she's had plantar fasciitis here and there, remaining at really low levels for about four months, but then went for this hike and it's flared up. If we know anything from load, this, this comes as no surprise. The hike was about six weeks ago. And then once it was irritated, we she was following a certain timeline between now and then of her capacity now just reducing more and more. So her walking, especially barefoot walking, for an hour afterwards, like walking on a beach, barefoot on a beach, it would flare up her plantar fasciitis the next day. Uh, she ignored it and kept walking on it. Now, even in supportive shoes, walking for about an hour has become a bit of an irritated uh, activity. Still ignoring it, she now, um, anytime she walks in bare feet or anytime she's standing still for more than 15 minutes, she starts getting that ache. And so if we learn anything from last lesson about this pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral, she hasn't done anything in terms of building up that capacity, building up that strength, and that downward spiral is just continuing. So that was yesterday and thought I'd share that. And hopefully you guys can recognize if you're in that downward spiral and do the right things following these principles to climb your way back up. Vascularization is a tough word. I'm going to stumble through it a couple of times in this episode, but um, the power of cross-training, vascularization, and the art of keeping strong is today's episode. Uh, What does that mean exactly? So vascularization by definition just means like blood flow to your peripherals and into the capillaries and you're supplying your muscles and tissues with oxygen as the blood pumps and if you're increasing your vascularization you are increasing your heart rate you're increasing your body temperature and just getting blood to to those areas and that's encapsulated you aren't a template so your training shouldn't be either the motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. It's the entire body, not just a specific area. And the art of keeping strong, and I'll discuss that a little bit more in detail um, later in the episode. I thought I would start with this new injury acronym that they have called Peace and Love. And so Peace stands for Protection, Elevation, Avoiding Anti-Inflammation Medication. The C is Compression and E is Education. And that stands for the 
or that represents the very, very acute phase. If you've rolled an ankle for the next couple of days, they're the things you should be doing. But then in the peace and love acronym, you have love, which is kind of past that acute phase or transitioning out of that acute phase. The L is for load, so loading up that structure. O is for optimism, and we'll be discussing that a little bit more in next episode. The V is vascularization, and we'll be spending, and the E is for exercise, and we'll be discussing those two elements in today's episode. So the evidence recognizes the importance of those two, the vascularization and the exercise, and I guess it applies to the load as well. But back to my calf story, when I had, uh, last week when this calf was particularly irritated, I went for a run, wasn't sore during, but then afterwards the calf started tightening up when I was at work and on my feet most of the day. And then it became quite obvious that while I was walking every step, it was like just gripping and very tight. And that continued the following day. But knowing these issues and knowing what I know now with, um, injury recovery, I applied the vascularization principle and swam for two days and went on the bike for a few days and didn't stir up the calf because those exercises are relatively low for the calf, but still managed to keep the blood flow and the heart pumping and continued exercising. And when it comes to the exercise part, the E part of the acronym, it mainly represents mobility, strength, and proprioception. So next season, season two of this podcast, I'm going to be dedicating that whole season to strength and conditioning and looking at the science, the literature, the the latest research, and some practical tips around the strength and how strength training applies to running. Today, we'll just scratch the surface. We'll mainly discuss vascularization, but when it comes to strength training, um, we'll just have a little surface introduction. So how does this apply to Pete? Let me bring up the ebook and we can read through this chapter. If you remember last chapter, Pete's in the downward spiral, that dreaded, dreaded downward spiral, and he needs to find his way out of it. So let's read through the chapter and see what's going on. Injury-prone Pete saw his physio in a puzzled state and his physio educated him on principles seven and eight. They went to work constructing another management plan This time, instead of just training modifications like they did last time, the physio implemented some strengthening exercises. They worked together to find exercises such as squats and lunges that didn't provoke knee pain and and was designed to strengthen the muscles around the knee. Pete's jaw almost hit the floor when the physio told him the interval training he had to start with. He had to start with one minute of jogging followed by five minutes of walking but he was happy that he could start this exercise program tomorrow. And the physio told Pete that if he were to tolerate this well, then the mileage would increase quite quickly. So there was reassurance there. Strengthening exercises were done daily and Pete, as always, would abide to every instruction. Okay, let's dive into the next part of the chapter where we have a bit more of a, a physio perspective. If we think about the three components of the spiral, pain, rest, and weakness, You can comprehend the power of strengthening and how proactive it can be because we are avoiding complete rest, we are restoring strength while avoiding pain. I call this the art of keeping strong because it requires a skill 
of choosing the appropriate exercises and the appropriate dosages. And dosages, I mean how heavy, how many reps, how many sets, and how often to do in a day or in a week. There is a fine line between productivity and irritability, which is made a lot easier with the guidance and the experience of a health professional. Apart from strengthening the structures around the injured site, it has been shown that vascularization of the entire body can be extremely helpful during the rehab process. Simply put, vascularization can be any type of aerobic exercise that doesn't provoke symptoms during or after exercise. Some examples include the elliptical trainer, swimming, and cycling. As an added benefit, providing another avenue for maintaining aerobic fitness is psychologically more appealing than complete rest. So that's the chapter, and I've illustrated why it's such an art, the art of keeping strong, because it can be very simple, it can be very complex, it's usually somewhere in between. Just giving squats and lunges that don't provoke pain can be very simplistic, just doing three sets of ten, three times a week. Um, If you wanted a more tailored approach and get better quicker or get stronger faster, it then switches to become a bit more of an art and how specific we make things and how it tailors for you and the exercises you can tolerate and also the gym equipment that you have or that you have available at home. Um, These are all things that a health professional can educate you through. I thought I'd give you a quick glimpse at at the current consensus around strength training, resistance training, and how it applies to running. So there's a massive body of evidence that strength training reduces sports injuries by as much as one third. And in terms of overuse injuries, cuts it almost in half. So there's a massive study of 26,000 athletes that covers all sports that shows these benefits, but it doesn't apply specifically to running. Importantly, that whole study doesn't include any of the runners. It mainly just sticks to like team sports and athletic sports, but doesn't really apply to runners. There are smaller studies that have been done that uh, look at running specifically, but have shown that there's no significant reduction in injury rate when it comes to strength training but we need to take this with face value because they're only smaller studies and there hasn't been a big, robust, running-specific study that shows that it reduces injury rate. There is, however, a ton of literature that shows how resistance training can improve running performance. And all the leading researchers out there that know all this evidence, they're all still strongly advising that strength training be included for all runners. They still think... They still regard this very highly and highly recommend it. Tom Goom is one of the the gurus and his quote is saying that there's good evidence strength training improves performance, but skimpy when it comes to injury prevention. And Kevin Maggs, who I'm in discussion with at the moment, we will probably get him on as a guest in season two, um, talks about since it helps with performance, most runners should implement strength training anyway. If it reduces injuries, that is just icing on the cake, which I think is put really nicely. And if we think about the load management sort of principles we've been discussing in the previous lessons, if you have an injured tendon because we've exceeded that load capacity, if we were to implement some strength training so that that tendon 
muscle ligament can tolerate more loads, then that can't be a bad thing. If we look at my lovely iceberg analogy, uh, vascularization, if you were to do a swim while you're injured, it's just rejuvenating the whole entire iceberg and improving on its general structure and its integrity externally, but also internally in those um, structural foundations. It's just keeping the, the lifeblood of the whole entire iceberg without it increasing its strength, really, but just allowing good nutrients and essential components to just be maintained throughout the internal structure. If we were to focus on strength, let's just say you're injured, a wave has hit a small section of that iceberg, which can equate to an overuse injury, and it's broken off a small piece of that iceberg, and the remaining attachment onto that iceberg has become quite fragile. This represents the injured site of the iceberg. Strengthening can be either removing the waves so that it doesn't add to further damage or reduce the height of the waves so that it's at no threat. And the strength component is just getting buckets of ice or buckets of water and just pouring it on that injured site. So we're focusing our attention on that injured site. Let's just say it's the Achilles. We're now doing calf raises that aren't overusing, overusing that, that site. We're not getting those buckets of water and thrashing it onto that injured site. We're carefully just pouring that water on that vulnerable area. And as that water gets poured down, freezes and then further contributes and builds onto that area so that if we do this with enough patience under the right dosages, that will slowly rebuild until it's able to tolerate bigger waves and it's not at a threat to bigger waves and then gets back to the, the height of the waves that we're used to pre-injury. Some may want to continue with training or build up the strength of that vulnerable area so much that it's now stronger than all the other components of the, the iceberg. And this is what we encourage as a physio to not only get you back to pre-injury strength, but go beyond that to build up that maximum capacity so that it's very, very hard to, to reach that maximum capacity with your running training and therefore will reduce that risk of injury. Some examples of strength training that's applied to me personally. About a year and a half ago, I started uh, CrossFit just to keep my body guessing a little bit, do something a bit different and also have some accountability of a trainer telling me what to do. And yeah, I just thought it'd be fun. One thing I did notice, um, I think I spent about five, six months just doing really light work, just building on technique, making sure my technique was correct before starting to increase in weight. But the workouts were super intense. Even if it was light resistance, my legs were burning, my hamstrings would get sore the next day, um, my cardiovascular system was improving and when it comes to the evidence and showing that it improves performance, I definitely noticed a, an improvement in my my trail run series that I did last year when it came to doing some super intense hills and shorter distances around about 5 to 8K. I was feeling really, really good, a lot better than I usually do going up hills and I was definitely overtaking a lot more people than on the flats. Why that 
improves performance and why strengthening training does that is a topic that we'll discuss next season. But just thought I'd share that personal experience that I've had. Okay, we're going to finish up there. Uh, If you haven't already, jump into the Facebook group because in the future, I'll be asking questions to you about what you want to hear or what questions you want answered either when I'm doing a Q&A myself or if I have a specialist guest on and I'll make a post a couple of days or a week beforehand saying, we're getting this guru on who specializes in this topic. We're going to be talking about this. What questions do you have? And it allows you to get your questions answered and it makes this purpose and the knowledge a bit more tailored to what you're after. Next episode, we have the three Ps, pessimism, perfectionism, and personality. And so we're diving into the emotions and the psyche of the runner. So stay tuned and listen to that. Bye for now. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.